Uh, do you mind doing a little uh, church aerobics today? Is that all right with you? Can I ask you then to stand again? All right. For all of you that have served in the military, my heart goes out to you all with gratitude and thanks. We know today we're going to stand corporately to pray. We're going to pray for families who have lost loved ones because of the greater sacrifice they made. It's beautiful outside. It's hard to imagine everything that's going on in this world today. When we read about the end of days and things like that, such in the Bible, Jesus makes it really clear, pretty simple. He says, watch, don't be deceived, and pray. Those are his words. So today we've got a major hurricane just so happens to be the same date as Katrina bearing down on New Orleans. We've got catastrophic things happening in the Middle East and we grieve with those U.S. families that lost their loved ones. Would you pray with me? Jesus, with everything that's going on, where do we find comfort? How can we give comfort? Those are the questions that we have, and yet in your word, you tell us that you are the God of comfort. You are the God that never abandons. You told us that Bad things are going to happen to good people. But you will always be with us in the midst of. And so today we pray for protection with this hurricane. Lord, we pray for the families that have lost loved ones, giving their lives to assist and help for the freedom of others. We pray for the Christians in Afghanistan who have a death sentence over their heads. And yet, Lord, we look around and it's a beautiful day. And we just want to thank you and praise you that you are the God that's in control of all things. But we stand in remembrance of these things as the body of Christ gathered here in this day. And it's in your name we pray. Amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to have you be getting up and down again. I'm treating my word with aerobics today, all right? I've been a Christian now for about 52 years. I know that's surprising. Many of you would think you don't even look 52, right? But recently in my life over the last couple months, I've been hungry. I've been wanting to know more. Not more about God. I love to read the Bible. I love to study his word. I know a lot about him. But you know what? It doesn't scratch the itch. 
there's something in me that I want to know him. I want to draw closer to him. I don't want just facts and information. I want to know him. And as we've been going through the Psalms of Ascent, I have a real simple question. Three times a year, the children of Israel were exhorted to go up to Jerusalem. My question is, why did the people want to come? Why would they lay everything aside and say, let's go up? Let's go to Jerusalem. Why would they do that? Usually the answers to these questions are are not intellectual in any means. They're actually quite simple. You know why they went up to Jerusalem? They just wanted to be with God. They wanted to be with him. And I think about church today, and I guess I have a question for you, is why did you come to church today? Did you come because you want to get more information? Did you come because you had no other choice? Or did you come because you simply just wanted to be with God in this place? To hear his word, to lift up holy hands in the sanctuary and bless his name. Did you come because you wanted to be with him? As we think about all these psalms of ascent, this is my favorite. So when Chris asked me, uh, would you be willing to share, I said, absolutely, but I know you finished, and I know you brought up the fact that they were heading back home in our last psalm that we went through, but this one is the one that just grabs me partly because of what I said to you. I am hungry to know more about him. When I see him face to face, I want there to be this connection, this longing, not something that I look at him and said, yeah, I've read a lot about you. You did some amazing things, but I want that embrace. I want to feel like I belong, that I'm not just visiting, but I'm home. So if that's you, and I would think that probably is the majority of you, what a psalm we have in front of us. So it begins with, out of the depths, I've cried to you, O Lord. Hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Lord, I cry out to you out of the depths of my despair. Hear my voice, O God. Answer this prayer and hear my plea for mercy. Familiar words, but do you feel it? Do you feel the passion? 
Do you feel the desperation that's here? He's not saying, God, I'm going to, here's my prayer requests. He says, would you, would you hear my supplications? And you know, literally that means to beg. To beg for something earnestly. To beg for something, and the word picture here is on your knees. I guess I got another question. And I probably should have said this in the beginning. I'm sort of schizophrenic, maybe a bit bipolar, all of that mixed up in one. I'm kind of talking to myself today. And so I am not preaching this at you. I'm talking to myself as well. So my question is, is when was the last time that you literally cried out to the Lord? When is the last time you had this note of desperation that I just want to know you more? I'm not satisfied. It's not enough. That's been my journey. Well, as we move on, verse 3 says, If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Question. What are the things that block us from this desired intimacy with God? What are those things that sort of get in the way, that hold us back? Is it just our humanity? Our shortcomings? Or is it the fact that even in our birth, we've been stained with something, right? The pandemic is raging. I don't care what variant we're dealing with these days. And I hope and pray that we make it through this time. But there's something far more dangerous than the COVID pandemic that's out there. And there's no human vaccination that can help us. We are all what I call S-I-N positive. Okay? We have all sinned. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. What keeps us from that desired intimacy with God, to know him more? It's our sin. It's our shortcomings. So how do we deal with this? How do we get close to him? If you, Lord, should mark our iniquities, who could stand? But there's forgiveness with you, that you may be feared. So, 
It wouldn't be a sermon that I give here without something to do with Israel. So let me take you to a wilderness. Let me take you to the bottom of Israel, about 20 miles from the Red Sea, a place called the Wilderness of Zen. Very familiar to the Israelites because they wandered there quite a bit. But in the midst of this location, if we go there today, this is what you're going to see. I hope. Out in the middle of nowhere, there is this tabernacle that's set up. The next picture gives you another illustration of it. Like I said, it's in the middle of the desert. There is nothing there. It is hot. It is dry. But we have a gift. We have the plan of God that will be fulfilled in Jesus. So as we make our way, if we want that intimacy with God, as we want to get close to him, there's a door that goes into this wilderness tabernacle. Keep in mind, I said that Jesus is the fulfillment of this. He literally says, I am the door. I'm the way in, right? And so we can only go in, but the first thing that we see is going to be this. As we make our way in, through that door, gate, we will see the following. The first thing that we encounter is going to be an altar, a bronze altar. And what does this represent for us? Because we've already said we're all SIN positive. It's the one thing that keeps us from that intimate relationship with God. So if you, today, if you want closer, close to God, then we all must deal with our sin. Amen? I don't hear a long, large... Let me try that again. I need it a little bit louder, okay? If... We want to get close to Jesus. We've got to deal with our sin. Amen? Amen. And so today, in your mind's eye, as you make your way through that gate and through that door, the first thing you see is this altar. I'm going to ask if you would go with me there right now. You don't have to go alone because the Spirit of God is with you. And as you go to that altar, I want you to ask for guidance and direction. The Holy Spirit has been given to us not to condemn us of our sins. That's not the purpose of this. We have an enemy that wants to condemn us of our sins, right? That's that foot on the neck that's trying to choke you out, saying you're not worthy. You're a failure. Give up. No, 
We have an advocate, the Spirit of God, that convicts us of our sin. There's a big difference between conviction and condemnation. And we need to be convicted of our sins. Because if we don't confess them, if we don't get rid of them, we will never have that desired intimacy that we want with God. And so each and every one of us, there's hymns written about this, but there's room at this altar for you. And as we come to this altar, remember the words that are probably so familiar to you. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to not only forgive. You see, in this day, those pilgrims that were singing the Psalms of Ascent, that wanted to be close to God, they would come and offer their sacrifices there, right? Whether it's a bull, whether it's oxen, whether it's sheep. And this blood that was shed would do what? Literally, it says it would cover their sins. If, if you can think in your mind that this is, you, you've got an old dilapidated house and it needs painting and you're just painting over it, but if you scratch it, you're going to realize it was just covered, right? That's what the blood of bulls and goats could do. It could cover it, but it could not take it away until... The Lamb of God who came into the world to do what? To take away our sins. If you confess he is faithful and just, not just to whitewash over them, he'll take them away. Amen? You know, to confess your sins to God is not to tell God anything he doesn't know. But until you confess them, they will be an abyss between you and him. But once you confess them, it's a bridge. And you can get as close as you want to God. When we conclude our service today, we're going to have a, a couple worship songs. And I'm going to invite you. You might need some elbow room to smile and thank the people that you came with. But you need to be with God. You need to talk to God. We all need this. We all need the Spirit of God to point out those things in our lives that stumble us. Not to condemn, to convict so that we can be forgiven and that Jesus would wash them away. So that's the first thing that we see in this wilderness tabernacle. And now let me show you the next few things that you're going to see. As you make your way through, you see that there is the altar, 
And then there is a laver. And then as we, next slide, as we actually go in, we're going to see a menorah or a menorah to the left. And as we go and look to the right, we'll see this next item. We see a table of showbread. So what does this mean to us as believers? We know what our need is as far as that altar goes and how Jesus is literally the fulfillment of that. But as we turn back to our psalm, in verse 5, it says, I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I do hope. More than those who watch for the morning. Yes, more than those who watch for the morning. I wait, and in his word, I have hope. Charles Spurgeon said, if we really want intimacy with God, If we really want revival in our day, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. Those items that I just showed you, what do they reveal? A bronze laver where we wash ourselves, a menorah where we're told that the word of God is a lamp unto our feet. Which way do we go? What do we stand for in this day? If we don't know what the word of God says, we will be aimless and wandering. What's our stand? The word of God is a light unto our feet. And that table of showbread, Jesus said what? I am the bread of life. I will sustain you. If we don't have a devotion to God's word, we'll never have the intimacy that we so desire. We must love it, embrace it, In John 17, Jesus says that our sanctification has to do with his truth. And then he says, thy word is truth. Paul says in the book of Ephesians that Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. As believers, we need to be washed in this word. We need to have our minds renewed by the word of God. We can't allow our culture As Paul says in Romans, he says, don't let this culture squeeze you into its mold. But no, 
what the word of God says. And today, what pressure we face, what pressure our children face to be squeezed. If you want to know the will of God, in order to do the work of God, we must be men and women who revere and study God's word. Amen? Well, goes on to say in verse 7, O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there's mercy, and with him is abundant redemption, and he shall redeem Israel from all of his iniquities. When we confess we are cleansed, we can go closer. The writer of the book of Hebrews says we can actually boldly approach the throne of grace. We don't have to cower. We don't have to wear camouflage and try to... We can boldly approach Jesus, right? And then as we're immersed in his word, it washes us, it cleanses us, it gives us direction, it feeds us. And so things like being rescued, things like being restored, and ultimately redemption, these things that are promised to Israel that they're singing about are fulfilled in the Messiah, in Jesus, our Lord. I'm going to have the worship group come up now. And as they do, tell you a little story from the scriptures. Let me take you back to the time of Moses, all right? We're dealing now with Moses on the mountain, being with God. And God says to Moses, Moses has a brother, right? And Moses' brother is named Aaron. And so we know that Aaron is the first high priest. And it's as if God says to Moses, write this down. I want this, the words that I'm giving you now, I want them spoken over my people. I don't want Aaron winging it. I actually want him to say these words. I believe that we too inherit those words as the people of God in this day. And so do you know what he says? This is God speaking over you. And the word of God says, and, and you know this, I know you've heard it, but I want to give you some context and some meaning behind these words. He says, the Lord bless you. You know, this isn't Christianese. But do you know literally what the word bless means? The Hebrew word is barak. And it literally means to kneel down and to serve. Wait a second. That's our job, right? When we approach God, we want to kneel down and serve. But it says the Lord bless you. 
Can you imagine the creator of the universe coming right before you and kneeling before you? Why would he do that? The shoe needs to be on the other foot, right? But you have to understand why you were created. We have, the, we have no ability to understand why God created us. Do you know that he created you because he wanted a relationship just with you? And you might say, show me another picture of this. How could the Lord kneel down before me? Oh, I remember, don't you? At the very end at that supper that we call the Last Supper, what does the king of the universe do? But wrap a towel around about him and go to each one of his disciples and kneels down before them and does what? The job that was always given to the least of the servants. And Jesus says, you know what, Do you, does anybody remember, this dates me, in elementary school, whenever we played kickball or whatever, there was a phrase, first captain, first choose. Anybody ever hear that? Is that still today? Probably not. But I want you to know that God says those words, first captain, we know that, first choose, and I choose you. Do you know that God chose you and that he calls you not servants, I call you friends. So the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Hebrew word shamar. It literally means a vigilant watch over. It means to protect, to be secured, to be cared for. It's a divine protection. In the midst of all that we've been going through, as I said when we prayed to begin with, God doesn't say, if you follow me, I'm going to take away all your concerns and worries. No, he says, when you follow me, you should expect tribulation. And you better watch and pray and not be deceived. Bad things are going to happen, but I will keep you. None will take you out of my hands. I am the God that's in the midst of all of this. So the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. Orah is the Hebrew word. It means to be clean and brilliant and radiate rays of light. There is an alternate translation to this, though. In the Hebrew, the word picture is that he will sing over you. God says, I'll make my face to shine upon you. Have you ever wondered what the face of God looks like? When we're there, when we are taken, or when we breathe our last, when we're in the presence of God, I have no doubt that we're on our faces, right? 
And when you lift your head up, when he lifts your head up and you see the face of God, I know who you're going to see. Because the disciples at one time said, Jesus, could you show us the Father and then we'll believe? And you know what Jesus said? You've seen me. You've seen the Father. What will it be like to look into the face of Jesus? Wow. And be gracious to you. So may he bless, may he keep, may his face shine upon you, and may he be gracious to you. Simple definition of that word, right? All that we've talked about, the altar, the sacrifice, the gifts, did you earn it? Do you deserve it? Or does he say, I have grace for you? And grace is getting what you don't deserve, right? It's an amazing grace. And he invites you to come. And then he says that the Lord, may he lift his countenance upon you. In the Hebrew, this word is panach. I love this one the most. When we enter his presence, the countenance of God being upon us, it reminds me of his face shining upon us. Grandchildren are such gifts from God, amen? Children are gifts from God, amen? I got a quiver full. But you know, I can remember each one of them as babies, whether they're my boys or whether my grandkids. And you know what I love to do? I'd love to pick them up and look at their face and try to make them smile for the first time, right? I'm staring at their face. I'm saying gibberish just in order to see if they'll connect with me at that time. Will they smile? And if you're a dad or a mom, what did it feel like the first time you see the smile? And then as a dad, I've been told that it's easier for children to say dada than mama. But I can't, I can't tell you what I felt when my kids would smile as just babies. That's looking into the face of God. That's the countenance of God being upon you. Years ago, Lincoln Brewster wrote a song called Amazed. And he capsulized this by saying, there's a, a lyric that says, you danced over me when I'm unaware. You sing all around, but I never hear the sound. Lord, I'm amazed by you. How wide, how deep, how great is your love for me. Do you see why God said to Moses, I don't want Aaron winging this. I want my people to know how much I care about them, how much I love each one of them, not as a collective mass, but you've been fearfully and wonderfully made, and he wants you. Fellowship. The last one is that, and he'll give you shalom. Shalom, shalom. Oh, 
you probably know the meaning of that word. But my guess is that you don't know what the ancient rabbis believe about this word. Shalom, peace, right? If you're in Israel, you're always greeted with shalom. If it happens to be the Sabbath, you'll be greeted Shabbat shalom. Shalom, shalom, shalom. You'll say goodbye by saying shalom. But do you know what that word literally means? The ancient Hebrews, and I pray this over you. The ancient rabbis said, when you wish someone shalom, you wish them the experience that Adam and Eve had in the garden before the fall. Wow. Shalom. Let's stand. We want to worship now. And we have our staff and elders up front. If for any reason you have any desire for prayer, we invite you to come. I personally invite you to get some alone time. Make your way to that altar. There's room. Be devoted to his word. That's what anthem stands for. Amen. God bless you. Shalom. Shalom.